All right, let's take the songbook out. Let's stand together and let's turn to 285. 285. But anyway, but 
I'm, it's good to see you this morning and hope the Lord bless you this week. Have we got any prayer requests this morning? Dan? Dan? Oh boy, all right. Thank God they found it. Now, whether they can take care of it, amen. Anybody else? Yes. Okay, well, right. Well, praise God, everything's all right. Hallelujah for that. All right. I got a friend of mine over in Paris, Timmy Lester, brother Lester. Reconciled, but she had a heart attack last night. Y'all yeah, pray for him, lift him up in prayer. <clears throat> Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everybody's got around to this, or everybody's had around to this, I think. So definitely want to pray for one another. Anything else before we go to the Lord in prayer? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Jesus, 
And he said, is that right? He said, yeah, Daddy. He said, I'm not, I'm not a boy anymore. I'm, I'm a cat. He said, well, then get out from this table, then, you nasty cat. And he said to his wife, he said, you know, we need to be thinking about getting him neutered. And I want you to go ahead and call the appointment and make the appointment. And he said, from now on, you'll be sleeping out in the barn. You're not sleeping in here anymore. He said, Dad, I, I, think, I think I'm a boy. So, <clears throat> so it's all perspective, amen? It's all perspective. But anyway, take your Bible. Turn to John 13 this morning, John 13, 34 through 35. Again, I, I, I posted, I reposted, I said, I think that's the smartest thing I read on the Internet all day. John, John, J-O-H-N, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Chapter 13, <clears throat> John chapter 13, I, I kind of, I debated on whether or not to go ahead and read the second Thessalonians this morning, and uh, my wife said, you need to rest, and for once I listened to my wife, and uh, and I prayed, Lord, show me what you want me to preach, and the Lord put this in front of me, so that's what we're going to do this morning. We'll start back in, in, our, in our series in second Thessalonians. Uh, maybe next Sunday or maybe the Sunday after, I'm not sure, but we'll get into it soon. John 13, 34 through 35, and yes, we will be here next Sunday morning. Uh, I know there will be a lot of churches that will be empty on Sunday morning, and, uh, you know, I just don't follow that, that ideology. Uh, somebody somebody made a pretty good comment on that. Um, it said, you know, closing your church on Christmas morning is kind of like, Miss skipping your anniversary to go out with your ex-girlfriend. So that makes sense. You know, we're going to spend time with the world rather than spend time with God. It don't make no sense. But anyway, uh, I digress. Let's get into our Bible this morning. John 13, and uh, I was going to read 34 and 35. I think I may back up just a little bit, just for context. Uh, find a good place there to start. So we're at the Lord's table, at the Lord at the Last Supper, and... Uh, We'll just start there in verse 21 just to start a little place for reference. Uh, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now they were leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned unto him that he should ask who, who, should it, be, who it should be of whom he spake. Then he, lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop. And when I dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the, son, after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of him thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, go buy, buy those things that we have made of uh, against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. But then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. I just read all that to set the scene. And <clears throat> and he then, having received the sop, when me, okay, it was night, verse 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, when I do, you cannot come. 
So now I say unto you, two text verses, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Again, let me read those two verses again. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Our Father, I love you so much. I'm thankful that you loved us. Lord, you loved us so much that you sent your Son into this world to be born of a virgin, Lord. And, Father, I, I realize a lot of people celebrate this time of year. And, Father, we don't know exactly what his birth was. Father, we're thankful that he came into this world. We're thankful that Jesus was born, Lord, that he lived, and he lived a sinless life, that he died upon a cross and paid our sin debt, was buried, raised from the grave, triumphant over death. And, uh, Lord, we're thankful that our salvation was purchased on Calvary's Hill. Father, I'm thankful that the blood ran down uh, the cross of Calvary, down the feet of Jesus. Lord, that blood's still fresh and still flowing and still powerful to forgive sins. And Lord God, please help us this morning as we look at the love of our Savior. Lord, I pray you help us. Lord, the Holy Ghost of God, take hold of us. Apprehend our, our spirit this morning. Lord, take hold of us and, and, and force us to look at the love or the lack of love in our own hearts. Father God, help us to do as the Bible said, to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Lord, just let us see, but let us view with our own, with the eyes of our soul, whether or not we're walking, Lord, in your, in your, in your way, Father, we're doing it according to your will. Father, I pray you'd help me this morning. I feel hindered, Lord. I've taken medication to get over this stuff, and I don't feel myself. And Father, I know you're able to do all things, so I pray you just take this body, Lord, take this Take this, uh, this vessel, Lord, and, and uh, sanctify it. Set it apart this morning for your use. Holy Ghost, fill me with your power. Put your hand on me, Lord. Use me for your honor and glory. I pray that for the congregation and those who listen in, that the Spirit of God might speak to our hearts this morning. Draw us in a very real way and make us look and see ourselves the way you see us. And we'll give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, again, we're, we're, we're talking on two verses there where he said this new commandment he gives that you love one another as I have loved you. Not just that you love one another, but that you do it in a certain way, that you love one another as I have loved you. And he said, by this, if you love one another as I have loved you, then all men shall know that you're my disciples because nobody loves Others the way Jesus Amen. I, I want us to look this morning. There's, I want us, there's three things I want us to observe in these verses this morning. Uh, I want us to look, see first the example of loving uh, that Jesus gave us in, the, in these verses. He, he, he said, "He said to love as I've loved you," and he, he loved, and Jesus manifested that love. It wasn't secret. It came from his being everywhere he was at. He, he, he didn't keep it inside. He demonstrated that love. Love is action. Love is an action verb. Love is not just some idea, some, some nice something to meditate on and make you tingle and feel good. Love is an action verb. It's something happening. It's something that's done. It's something that's shown. And Jesus showed it. 
I want us to also see, number two, that there is a command that we've given to love. We are commanded to love. It's not optional. God is love. The Bible tells us that God is love. And if, and if, all, if all our Christianity is like a school teacher scolding with our finger, well, there's no love in that. Amen. I wouldn't give you a club nickel for a preacher. All he did was just scold. Amen. If there's no love in his message, then he ain't, he ain't preaching like Jesus would preach. Because I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't just get up and scold you. He loves you. Amen. <laughs> God, when he chastens, it's done out of love. But, he, you know, and, and our life is not right with God if we're not loving others. Hear what I'm saying this morning. It's so important in this, in this year, 2022, Comes in on the end of it, takes me going to 2023. My goodness, I never thought I'd say I lived in 2023. Amen. I'm a child of the 60s, praise God. I grew up in 1968. This thing's a long way from there. Amen. But praise God, listen, in this dark hour we're living in, where, where everything is seemingly upside down and standing on its head, where, where wrong is right, right is wrong. Listen, we must maintain what the Word of God has commanded us in this dark hour. This is the time. This is the time when we must prove that the Bible is true before the world. They need to see that this is not just some words on a page. That it's real. It's living and breathing and powerful. There's that command that we're to love. See, when a person is saved, born again of the Spirit of God, they become a possessor of the divine nature, which is the nature of love. God. His nature moves into your being. He's in there. The capacity, somebody go, I couldn't love like that. Yes, you can if you're a Christian. If you'll just get out of the way, if you'll surrender yourself, if you'll, if you'll submit yourself to God and let him take over, yes, you can love that way. It's just a matter of, of you getting your selfish flesh out of the way and letting God have, have the use of your, of your life. Uh, again, it's a command to love. A Christian is to lead a, a spiritual life. And bear the fruits of the Spirit. Listen, when I got saved, the moment I trusted Christ, you know, I didn't understand the mechanics, but God in the moment, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, that moment that I believed on Jesus Christ, that moment the Spirit of God moved into that little seven-year-old boy on 307 Pierce Drive in South Arkansas in my back bedroom. He came into my life. As I knelt there on his stupid little bench, I was I was praying by faith, and I, I I wanted my sins gone, but I got I got more than that. I got God moving in and living in me and changing me. Then, everything didn't happen immediately. It's growth, just like when a baby's born. Immediately, that little three pound baby you talked about a while ago. That little three pound baby don't know how to feed itself. Ain't got eyes in the little boy. Little boy, that, what's his name? Benjamin, they got no idea how to stick a fork in his mouth. Somebody's going to have to teach him that. But you know what? He's got, he's got his mama and his daddy's DNA. Jenny, they changed that. And you know what? When I got saved, I got my father's DNA. Amen. I got not only that, I got a whole being living inside of me. Praise God. So I have to command. If it's in me, then it needs to come out of me. What's the point? You know, we sing that song when we're little kids. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. 
say something about that, you can't put a price tag on. I mean, you can't. You, you literally, you can't buy that. When you find people that genuinely love one another because of what Jesus has done in their life, that's a place you ought to get next time. Amen. Let's get into this thing. The greatest thing today is withholding love. Amen. That's really what's wrong with our world. People don't love like God's commanded them to. Number one, listen to me. Jesus loves us with an uttermost love. Amen. I know Phil Cross used to go to church here, and he wrote the song, I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am lost in the blood of the precious. Through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost, I'm saved to the uttermost. Amen. A powerful song. Jesus loves us for the uttermost. He loves us with a complete love. There's nothing missing from his love. Amen. Again, he wants us to love with this kind of a love. Amen. A love where there's nothing missing from it. Amen. Listen, number one, he loves us to the fullest extent. Nobody has ever loved any of us as much as Jesus. And again, sitting right there on the fourth pew in the middle, that woman right there has loved me more than any human being has ever loved me on the face of this earth. And I know that. I know that because she stood by me when everybody else thought I was a lost cause. And she never gave up. She kept praying. She kept believing. She kept trusting. And her prayers were answered. And we serve a good God who hears and answers prayers. And that's the reason I'm standing for preaching today is because she loved me and didn't and hung on and didn't give up. Now, that's the kind of love I believe somebody ought to have. Now, that love came from somewhere. You can say, well, that's your mama. She's supposed to do that. I've known plenty of mamas that were sorry. They wouldn't do a thing for their kids. Listen, that kind of love, you say, well, that's just the way she was raised. No, no, I don't believe that's it either. You say, well, that was just her personality. No, no, I don't believe that either. I believe it was because she had a love that, that was put into her when she was nine years old when she trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior, and that real love taught her how to love as a mother, taught her how to, to, to never give up, never to quit on somebody because Christ never quit on her. Amen. John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this. But a man lay down his life for his friends. Now you can say, yeah, I know American soldiers have died for us. I understand that. But they didn't die for my sins. Amen. Listen, if they had known about my sins, nobody would have jumped up on a platoon and said, I died for him. No, they died for a cause called liberty and freedom. And I understand I said, hey, I took a bullet for his sins. No, but my Savior said, I'll leave my throne. I'll leave my glory. I'll put it, put it all aside. And not only that, I'll pick up a robe of corruptible flesh. His wasn't corruption, amen, because he was perfect. But he had a form of flesh that was like corruptible flesh. And he walked on this corruptible earth amongst corrupted people, amen. And he took, the, the, he took all the shame.
That's love. I mean, I, I preached through what he went through. You know what he went through. You got it in your Bible? I don't have to preach it. You got to read it yourself. But he did that for me and you, and nobody's ever loved you like that. Nobody's ever went that far for you but Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a complete love. And not only that, the Bible tells us that he loves to the end. He don't quit. Jesus don't have no quit in him, nowhere. Amen. He said it during the scripture that we read, but it was actually verse 1 in chapter 13. It said, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was coming, he should depart out of the world, and the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them to the end. He didn't, he didn't have any doubts. He didn't have any hang-ups about dying for sinners. He didn't have any. He, he had no problem doing that. He loved to the end. He knew where it came, and he finished what he came to do. <clears throat> Let me say to you, easy. The Bible tells us, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I said it's easy. It's easy to backstop. The Bible tells us, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The Bible tells us that, speaking of this, this, this time that we're beginning to enter into, where wickedness is just everywhere. I mean, it's just everywhere. And when you read about the, when you read about the time that Noah was living in, there was just demonic activity everywhere, everywhere. You know, I was reading this morning. Somebody was talking about that. About talking about Noah was perfect in his generations. And, uh, Because, I mean, you don't have, well, your generation is your generation. You know what? Uh, Miss Nell, she's, she's in her 90s, but she only has her generation. She don't have generation. Right? What does that mean? That meant in his family line there wasn't any corruption because, you know, there was all kinds of demonic activity on the earth. There was, there was, there was kind of, and I don't understand all that breeding and all that the demonic and giants. And all, I don't understand all that took place, but I understand that it was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of tainted bloodlines going on. God had to destroy it all. But Noah, his family wasn't corrupt. Amen. Now, how did I get off on that? I don't even know. I'm running rabbit trains. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, this, this, uh, I'm talking about this world. I'm talking about how nasty and corrupt it is. But it's easy for us. It's easy for us to get food out and food up and I'm food. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm tired of this world. I just soon go back into a hole somewhere and just be peaceful by myself. We can do that, but that's not gonna that's not gonna allow us to love as Jesus loved. I know. I, I hear people say it all the time, man. I, I I'd like to get me a cabin off in the up on a mountain somewhere and just get away from civilization and just live. And that that sounds wonderful. It really does. It's tempting to me. I'll be honest with you. I could do that and never never look back. But I couldn't. I couldn't serve God and do that. Couldn't serve God like that. Because because if I'm gonna serve God, I'm gonna have to be around people. Because that's who God. That's who God sent me to. Amen. And I can't hide from Him. Amen. But He loves to the end. Let me say to you, He loves the uttermost love. He, he loves to the fullest extent. He loves to the end. Number three, He never quits loving. Never. Jeremiah thirty-one three. Listen to what it says. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Amen. It's everlasting. Not just in this world, but in the world to come. God never stops loving us. Amen. Hallelujah. Number four, let me say, share this with you. Nothing can separate us from that love. 
And I know most of you know this, but I, there might be somebody listening in this morning who's not sure on that. But nothing can, you, you know, it, that's the devil's biggest, it, it's his biggest uh, trick is to attack a Christian who's struggling and say, you know, well, don't you do it now how can he love somebody like you? I mean, good night, how many times are you going to blow it? How many times are you going to mess up? How many times are you going to fail? Now, the devil's good at that. And, and listen, if you have Christ, if you've been born again, if you've been saved by the grace of God, if you've trusted and believed on the shed blood of Jesus unto eternal life, you have eternal life. You didn't get temporary life. I don't remember anybody. I've never, in all my years of ministry,
true love never fails. The Bible tells us that in verse Corinthians 13, verse 8. It says charity, which means agape, which is God's love, perfect love. It never fails. Never. God, God don't mess up, first of all. God's never said, whoops or oh, or we would not be here. Everything would be gone because he wouldn't be God. God doesn't fail, and his love can't fail. He says, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Preaching sometimes falls short. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. There wasn't a need for it anymore. Amen. The canon of scriptures to He said, whether there be knowledge, this shall vanish away. People don't know what they used to know. People, people are not smart as they used to be. Do you know that? They're really not. This kind of love that we're talking about, it loves in spite of fault and failure. You say, I mean, there's some people, they say, you know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be faithful and I'll stay with you as long as you don't mess up. But if you mess up, I'm gone. There's a lot of people like that. You know what? Everybody's going to mess up eventually somewhere or other. Somebody's going to I'm going to fail you somewhere or another. You're going to fail me somewhere or another. If, I, if our love is, is based on whether or not somebody fails or not, conditional. Our love our love's based on conditions, and that's not real love at all. But no, God loves us. True love never stops. Amen? And, you know, that's the great thing about Christ's love. It's perfect love. It doesn't have conditions. It's unconditional. And this kind of love we're talking about, this kind of love doesn't just say it. No, this, is, this love's real. This kind of love cares. Amen. This this love cares about everything. You know, the Bible talks about us not having a high priest that can't be touched with, with all manner of, uh, I can't quote it for some reason this morning, all manner of, uh, uh, basically, he feels everything we feel. There ain't nothing we've ever felt that he hasn't felt. There ain't nothing we've ever faced that he didn't face. He knows. He's our high priest. Again, it's not like we say, well, Jesus, you just don't know what I'm going through. Yes, he does. Amen. And, and he cares. Why did he weep? He didn't have to. He wept because he cared. Amen? And he don't just care right then. He continues to care. God don't change. Again, a lot of times, many times, and I can tell you it was the case in my life, when we first get saved and we first come to know God, we base that relationship with God on the only And in my case, my dad was undefendable. Matter of fact, my dad was wild as a buck. My dad was shifty. My dad was rebellious. My dad was not a good example of what God is at all. And so I couldn't count on my dad. My dad would say, hey, I'm going to come pick you up. And I, and there was probably a dozen times or more where I sat looking out the window waiting for him to show up. Never showed up. Finally, Mama would call or get a hold of somebody and they'd say, well, he just didn't, he, he didn't come. Or he'd tell me, oh, I had something come up. I can't, I couldn't come. Truth was, he probably went to a bar. But, but you know, when you grow up feeling like, I can't count on my dad, it's, it, it, it has a psychological effect on you. So when you look at your Heavenly Father, you doubt whether or not God will love you endlessly. You begin to question, well, is God, will God do me that way? Will one day he change? Will one day God not 
uh, you know, will he not be faithful? God's always going to be faithful. That's the thing we got to wrap our head around. You can't look at your, an earthly person and compare that to God because there ain't nobody like him. There ain't nobody like him. He never changes. His love never fails. <clears throat> and listen, again, this kind of love, it puts other people first. It doesn't put itself first. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 10, to be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. We're supposed to treat others like they're number one instead of ourselves. That's the way the world does. The world says, hey, look out for number one. But the world's, the world's wrong. There's only two kinds of people in this world. There's the, there's the, hey, here I am, look at me, people. And then there's the, hey, there you are kind of people. Be a there you are kind of person, not a here I am. Amen? <clears throat> i got to hurry. I ain't never going to get done with this. I'm running out of time. Number two, Jesus loves us not, not only with an, un, with, an, with an uttermost love, but he loves us with a serving love, with a serving love. Matthew 20, 28 says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And I know, yes, he, he, he's to be worshipped. But he came the first time as a humble servant. He's going to come back again as king, and then we're going to bow down and fall at his feet. But he came the first time as a servant. He came. What did he do? He saw the hungry, and he took the lad's lunch, and he broke it, and he fed the hungry. Why did he do that? Was he trying to, was he trying to uh, win friends and influence people? <clears throat> no, he was trying to feed them because they were starving. He had compassion on them. He saw them in their predicament, and he knew they came out there in the middle of the day to hear him, and he had compassion on them. He could hear their stomachs rumbling, and he did it out of love and compassion. He, he served them. He didn't have to, but he did. What does he do? Jesus lifts up the sinking. I mean, Peter was going under because he was foolish and wouldn't listen to Jesus and got out of the boat and decided to do it on his own. And he wasn't looking, looking to the Lord. He was looking at the waves and doubting, and he started going under. But what, what did Jesus go let him sink? I mean, he would have he went to heaven, right? But no, what did he do? Lord save you, Jesus. That's all you got to do is cry out to him. He'll lift you up. I can tell you, in 1996, whenever, whenever I found myself so backslidden and my life is a mess and just a tragic, tragic mess, when I hollered out to Jesus to help me, Lord, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want you. I want to live for you. I want to give my uh, rest of my life to you. I, I, I've been foolish with this. First part of it, God, please take me and use me and do what you will. When I turned around, he wasn't way off. He was right there. He, he wanted me more than I wanted him. Jesus comforted the brokenhearted. Amen. Listen, you, you talk about somebody who's, 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 who Jesus will get close to. That's somebody who's hurting, somebody who's broken. If you're brokenhearted, you're in a better place than you realize. I know that sounds odd. Say, well, if you've got a broken heart, you're in a good place. But you're in a good place because God heals broken hearts. And when God will heal a broken heart, he'll heal it better than it was to start with. He'll fix it better than it was to we got. <clears throat> I ain't got time to do all this. If I do all this, we'll be here to start. But, but he, Jesus prayed for his disciples, and he prayed with his disciples. All these things are showing us what we're to be. We're to comfort people when they're brokenhearted. We're to lift people up when they're sinking. We're to take care of people when they're in need. Amen? We're to go to people when they're hurting and need prayer and need comforting. We're to do those things. Loving Jesus 
loving like Jesus, rather, means loving with a servant's heart. <clears throat> you see, we're responsible for each other's growth and improvement. I mean, we're to bless each other by, by encouraging one another. We're to try to be an encouragement and try to lift them up. That's part of being in the body of Christ together. Because all these pieces function better when they function together than by themselves. <clears throat> we also, we can't be right in our doctrine and wrong in our lives. Amen? You, you, you know, you, you know everything in the Bible. I mean, you can be a scholar at, at, at Bible knowledge and never put it into practice, and what good is it? That's like bottles of medicine on the shelf that nobody ever takes. Doesn't do anybody any good. We can't be right in our living and wrong in our loving. Say, well, I'm living for God, but if you're not, if you're not, if you're not loving anybody with the love of Christ, then you're not truly living for God. Living for God is not making sure you check off all the list of do's and don'ts. Living for God is letting God literally motivate you to love others with his love and his words and and his love that's in you. Again, you've got to let it out. Galatians 5, 13 and 14, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of flesh, but by love serve one another. What is that saying? That's saying, brethren, yes, you, you're saved by grace. You're not, you're not required to be, in order for you to be saved, it ain't required that you do these things. But he's saying, listen, just because you have liberty doesn't mean you say, well, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing what I want to. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I, I know I'm going to heaven, so I can do what I want to. That's not how we're going to live our lives. We're to live our life as a servant to the Lord Jesus. We're to, we're to you know, there's a story in the Bible about man, he served for so long, and in and, and a certain into that period of servitude, he had a choice. He could either walk out and go free, or he could say, I want to stay here forever, and the man would take an awl and put a put a gold earring in his ear, signifying that he was a servant forever. You know what? That That's a picture of how I want to be. I, Christ set me free, but I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I want to be right there with him. I'm his servant forever. Amen? Number three, I've got to finish this sermon. I said, number one, <clears throat> he loves us with an uttermost love. Number two, he loves us with a personal love. And I'm and I'm skipping some of this. I said, no, no I skipped number two, didn't I? Number two, he lives us with a serving love. And number three, he loves us with a personal love. It's personal. Again, he's a personal Savior. Amen? He's a personal Savior. I, I, I know him. Amen? You know him if you say. If you spent time with him, you know him. I mean, it's personal. He called me personally. He called you personally. He spoke to your heart personally. He drew you personally to himself in love. Amen? He, he, he did. He wanted you, and you knew it, and you felt it, and, 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 and you believed it, and you received it, and now it's yours. Jesus said, come unto me. I want you to labor and are heavy laden. You, you, you either you either, you either cause your own group in this life or somebody's dumping it on you, and he said, come to me. I can take care of whatever it is in your life. I will give you rest. 
He'll give you rest in your burdens. My goodness, he's got everything we need. It's a personal love. Yet they criticize him for being with sinners. But you know, all he was doing was getting personal with them to let them know that they needed to be saved. He spent time with them. Again, people don't care what you know or they know you care. When you spend time with somebody and you invest in them and realize, hey, this person really cares and they'll listen to what you've got to say when they understand you really care and you're not just trying to boss them around or, or get in their business. You know, even 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 the words I love you sometimes can empty. A man can tell his wife I love you every day and never show her. She won't feel it. Eventually, those words just sound like hollow. It's, might as well be saying good morning or be saying get out of my face. Doesn't make no difference. But there's no action behind it. They don't mean much. It's not personal. It's just words. You see, Jesus doesn't just say I love you and that's it. Jesus puts I love you together with his own personal presence. Amen. I thank God we serve a living Savior, a risen Savior. I mentioned two weeks ago, I stopped by and got some donuts down at the donut shop, and I noticed sitting on the guy's microwave, he had a little gold Indian Hindu statue that he worships. You know, he can't feel nothing off that little Indian Hindu statue on top of his microwave. He has to wipe dust off his God. Think about that. He has to polish and wipe dust off his little God that he can't feel. That he can't get nothing out of. It, he might as well have a he might as well have a Mickey Mouse doll something like that. People worship that too. But but I digress. Um I was behind a lady in the bank the other day and she had a Mickey Mouse ears with a castle and it said home. I thought, You wanna live with pedophiles? My goodness. Shame on you. Uh, but again, if you don't back it up with, with with real love, I love you just empty, but but he assures us of his presence. John 14, 3, listen to what it says. Listen to his words. You know, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He he, 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 he didn't build heaven so he can look at it, so he can live in it. He wants us, and I told you this the other day, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that he owns is mine. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me. He gave it to you. We all are joint owners in everything that Jesus has because he's promised us that. We are joint heirs with him. When we get to heaven, we won't feel like we're in his house. We'll feel like we're in our house. That's good, ain't it? Hallelujah. We won't feel out of place at God's throne. That's where we belong. It's personal, y'all. It's personal. Christian love needs to be expressed personally. Again, you can tell somebody all you can tell somebody gospel all day long, but you have to put action in your words. James two sixteen explains it pretty well. It says, "And one of you shall say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye filled and warmed." Talking about somebody coming to you. Hungry and, 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 and without clothing. I mean, or, or they're, they're barely got any it's cold weather, and they walk up to you in a, in, in a thin shirt, pair of shorts, and tennis shoes, no socks, and, and the wind, wind's turning cold, and you know it's going to be freezing before the night's over. And, they, and they're hungry, they have nothing to eat, and they say, Could I, 
and you say, well, hey, I hope your belly's warm, full tonight, and you're warm. God bless you. But that's the way Christianity is today. We don't want to be bothered. We're busy. We ain't got time. God help us. We've got to, we've got to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk along with it. I mean, we need to be like those early Christians in Acts 2, 1 through 46. It says, And they that gladly received these words were baptized in the same day they were added into them by 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and imparted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They they cared for one another with more than just a little God bless. They actually these people that you know they were the old, they, they were they were all they had people. They were all they had. Everybody else was turning their back on them. So rather than just say, well, I hope it all works out for everybody, they said, hey, you know, we just need to. In that situation, it was a special situation. They had to take, they had to do what they had to do. They had to sell stuff and, and pool their money to get through it. But they all saw each other as important as themselves. They all pitched in and took care of one another. And I'm not saying we're in those situation, that kind of situation now, but God, God only knows what might come up, how things may change. If that was ever needed, I would hope that I would hope to God that we that we would do that. Rather than everybody try to make it on their own, I'd hope that we try to take care of one another instead of everybody starving. <clears throat> but see, we're supposed to love one another with a love that's expressed personally, <clears throat> not just in passing. So my question, I have a couple, few questions, and then we're going to go back there and eat. Do we love one another, really love one another the way Jesus loved us? I think we try, but I don't know if we're 100% successful because our flesh gets in the way. I think I think the the the, uh, the point this morning is for us to examine ourselves a little closer than we have, and remember that that we are a walking, talking testimony. Everything we do reflects upon Jesus. Like my daddy used to say, you know, boy, don't go out of here and embarrass me. Teenager leaving the house on a Friday or Saturday night. Don't go out of here and embarrass me. You know, God don't want us to embarrass him either. God don't want us to, to have a terrible testimony. God God doesn't want us, the world to look at, at the members of Temple Baptist Church and say, oh, they, they don't care about nobody. They just down there, all they care about themselves. That'd be a terrible testimony for us to have. And I don't want that, and I know you don't either. If we're not loving one another the way Jesus did, then we're sinning. Because it's simple as that. We're in disobedience to God's word if we're doing that. And and if we're not loving each other the way we should, that's an indication that we don't love him the way we should either. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So do we love him? Well, then we ought to love one another the way we love him. Let's stand together. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 